0: Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical, biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing.
1: And so let's start by bringing up a question that maybe you've thought about before. Perhaps you even wrote an essay in school answering a question, this question, or a question like this question. Here it is. If you could live in any other era in history, other than the era that you live in right now, when would you choose to live? If you could live in any other era of history other than the era you live in right now, when would you choose to live? Now, thankfully, uh, as your th- own answer to that question, the, the internet is a giver. And the internet supplies some answers to this question And so I specifically wanted to look up the answers of some young people. And so I found real answers written by middle school and high school students to the question, if you could live in any other era in history other other than the era that you live in now, when would you choose to live? I appreciate this thoughtful answer. I would like to travel back to a time, to the time, when our planet was born. I'm really curious and eager to learn about the formation of the Earth With its landscapes continents and oceans being there when genesis 1 happened that would be pretty sweet how about this answer i would want to live during the late 50s or early 60s in new york city this is when i believe new york city was at its prime and most beautiful i would like to live I would like to help build the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Pyramids have always been interesting to me. Then, in ancient Egypt, I would want to be mummified and discovered many hundreds of years later in the Great Pyramid. I would like to live in the medieval era because I would like to be a person with a sword. Me too. I appreciate this answer. I would not choose to live in any other era. I am extremely happy with my life, but I would visit every era. When we think about people's church history, and you saw pictures as we were getting into the message this morning, this congregation started with less than 20 people in rented space above the Star Exchange building in downtown Salem. Then Believing for greater things, that congregation moved to Cottage and Hood, where the congregation, Pastor Versalenko, I see two of his kids right here, and his grandson here today, great grandson. Good to see you, Micah. They were, they built that church with their own hands at Cottage and Hood, and then they had the vision to move to Summer Street, just north of the state capitol. And then when Pastor Denny Davis was pastor from 1967 to 87, they moved to this church campus. As the current pastor of this church, I think about how thrilling it would be to, if I had a DeLorean, to go and visit congregations in the past and to hear prior pastors preach during their leadership. Like Pastor Versalenko, Pastor Davis, Pastor Marchese. How thankful I am for the relationship that I still have with Denny Davis. He lives, lives up in the Seattle area now, and Pastor Erickson for the time that we overlapped in service here. History is interesting and it's intriguing and it sure is fun to go through the old photos. But here we are in 2022. We have many different seasons represented in our church family. And here's another question. When I ask this question, some of you, this question is already settled in your mind. Others, we may have to think about it for a minute. Is it possible that you were placed in 2022 in Oregon on purpose and for a purpose? One person said amen. One person thinks everyone else is thinking about it. Is it possible that you were placed in 2022 in Oregon on purpose and for a purpose? For some, it's an easy yes. You're confident that God has placed you geographically and chronologically where you are. You might even say, for a time such as this, for a time such as now. For others, if we're honest, there may be some resistance in our spirit as we think about that question. Is it possible that you were placed in 2022 in Oregon on purpose and for a purpose? Why? Why? Why is there some resistance in our spirit to that question? Because if that's true, then what? Then we have a responsibility. And it might be easier if it wasn't that we were placed on purpose and for a purpose. Because if we weren't placed intentionally, geographically, and chronologically, then it takes the responsibility away. Some of us would say, maybe we would prefer a more random, unintentional placement. What we're going to look at today is a story from history that shows us that God is intentional about when and where people are placed. So they can do what he's created them to do. And it is from this historical biblical account where we get this quote that is often quoted even outside of church world, the quote, for such a time as this. I really want to go after that phrase from Scripture and what surrounds it, and I want to quickly set it up with some context. Some of you already know where this comes from. Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to invite you to turn there. Esther 14 and 13. Esther 4, 13 and 14. Esther is one of the thinner books in our Bible. It's harder to find if you just flip through the pages, um, because it goes by real fast. So first of all, there's never any shame in looking at the table of contents. And if you're flipping through the pages, it's right after Ezra and Nehemiah, Esther. If you get to Job and Psalms, you've gone too far, go back. And there you'll find the book of Esther. Esther occurs about 500 years before Jesus was born. And for generations, God's people had rejected his ways. Okay, this is important. Not just for like a few minutes, not days, weeks, months, years, or even decades. For generations, the people who were supposed to be God's people rejected his ways and god sent prophets he tried to warn them he said turn 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 and they wouldn't listen and so god sent in motion the bible tells us a series of events where god's people would be extracted from their homeland from israel and they would be transplanted in a foreign land called babylon so they're in babylon And then Babylon is conquered by another outsider, this time it's um, the Persians. And so Babylon becomes part of this Persian empire, this massive, massive empire that stretches from what is now Greece and um, northwest Egypt, across the Middle East, modern-day Iran, and into Central Asia. Some of you like to look at the maps in the back of your Bible— Like if the sermon gets a little boring, I'll just go ahead and look at the maps. Uh, There may be a map in the back of your Bible that will show you this massive kingdom that was Persia, this massive empire that is Persia. And so where we pick up the story onto the pages of history comes a young Jewish woman named Esther. And Esther is part of this population that's living as exiles and foreigners in a foreign land. And certainly then, it would be true that to be an exile and foreigner was to be considered less than. The events of Esther occur at about the same time in history as Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah record historical events about the Jews beginning to return back to Jerusalem. Esther records a significant historical event for the Jewish people who remained in Persia. We learn that Esther's parents are dead and she is raised by her relative, Mordecai, in this great capital city of the time, Persia's capital city, Susa. The ruler is King Xerxes, and it becomes known that the king has kicked the queen out of the palace for essentially embarrassing him at a party. So it becomes known that the king is searching for a new queen, and Mordecai, persuades, convinces Esther to be part of this, to be part of the search for the new queen. And if you know the historical account of how Esther, how this all plays out, you know that Esther enters into what, if we're honest, is really a very messed up, year-long, beauty pageant-type scenario that is intended to lead the king to select his new queen. And at the end of all this, Esther is the chosen one. Esther becomes queen. The Jewish orphan becomes queen of this wide-reaching, powerful empire. As this is all unfolding, Mordecai, who still lives in Susa, the capital city, he gets into some tension with one of the king's top advisors. We might say the prime minister, Haman. And uh, when you, this would still be true today, when you insult and infuriate A person who has great authority and influence bad things can happen to you so when Haman is insulted he becomes infuriated and he declares that he wants bad things to happen and Haman convinces the king that uh, there should be an order that would go out in the entire land for all the Jewish people in Persia to be killed and the king is convinced messages go out a date is set that there will be one date in history when the um, purpose will be to annihilate the jewish people so if anyone can make a, a difference in this desperate situation who better than esther esther is jewish and now she is queen when we think of king xerxes and queen esther We cannot look at this through the lens of a healthy marriage in Western culture in 2022. This was not two equals coming together. Esther was only supposed to come to the king when he asked for her, at his discretion. For Esther to go and speak with the queen, for Esther to come and speak to the king when she has not been asked to go to see the king, there's two possible outcomes, and they're actually pretty extreme. One potential outcome, if Esther goes and speaks to the king without being asked, one potential outcome is that Esther could get what she wants. On the other extreme, if Esther goes in to see the king and she hasn't been asked to go in and see him, what could happen? Didn't mean to offend anybody with that. But she could be killed. So Esther could be executed... Or she could get what she asks for. Here comes Mordecai, and he's going to motivate Esther to step up. Mordecai, being on the outside of the palace, has to speak to Esther through messengers. Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther Do not think to yourself, listen to this now, do not think to yourself, Esther, that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. Mordecai is really calling out an attitude that could potentially be an Esther because the palace is comfortable. The palace is luxurious. The palace creates the feeling of insulation and security and a separation from the outside world. And Mordecai comes against what could possibly be running through Esther's mind. This is someone else's problem. Yes, all the people of my heritage may suffer and die, but I'm insulated in here. I would be secure from that. I would not be impacted. And, and Mordecai says, do not think, Esther, of yourself, being in the king's palace, that you will escape. When they find out you are Jewish, if nothing changes, they will kill you as well. Sometimes we can convince ourselves that we are insulated from the consequences. We would never say it out loud, but we may have thought that problem is not mine to solve. That's someone else's problem. I'm comfortable, and I'm going to go ahead and choose comfort over conflict. It's just better for me not to engage. I'm going to not get involved, even though others are suffering. And all that makes what... Uh, Mordecai says next, even more challenging, verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Did you catch that? Mordecai says if you keep silent, if you don't do anything, if you don't make a decision, which really is a decision, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. Mordecai's perspective is that God is not going to allow his people to be annihilated. Mordecai's perspective is that God will protect his people, God's purposes will be accomplished. For Mordecai, the question is not, will God's people be protected? The question is, Esther, will you allow God to work through you to protect his people? Mordecai says, Esther, if you choose the palace over your people, God's people as a population will live on. Who does Mordecai say will suffer? Esther and her family. Fast forward to today. We can miss our assignment in the kingdom of God if we cling to the comforts and pleasures of our personal kingdom. It is a great tragedy to miss a kingdom assignment because we're caught up in building our own kingdom. I appreciate what Pastor Tony Evans has to say about this, so I'm just going to read this verbatim. God has given each of us a job, position, resources, education, and more. God has opened opportunities to optimize his kingdom purposes. He did not place you or me where we are so we could eat figs all day long or post pictures on social media. He's placed us wherever we are because we are in the midst of a battle, a war. You and I are in the midst of of a seismic conflict involving good versus evil. God's purposes will be accomplished. We choose if they will be accomplished through us. From Mordecai's perspective, if we fail to act, if Esther failed to act, God's plan is not going to suffer. We suffer. We are the ones who would miss out. Esther... What happens? She goes against custom and she approaches the king without being invited without being asked, and what happens? The king gives her favor. Esther exposes Haman's plot, and the situation turns on Haman. The advisor who wants to wipe out the Jews, instead Haman is the one who is executed. And the king issues a decree that empowers the Jewish people to triumph over their enemies. And that victory is still celebrated by Jewish people today on the festival of Piram, which will happen this year in March. We have the privilege of looking at this story, knowing how it unfolds. As we do with all the stories in the Bible. All the stories that we celebrate in the Bible, we now get to read them from the future, looking back at the good endings. Esther does not know in this moment. There is really no assurance that she's going to escape from this moment alive. And it's possible that the king wouldn't even allow her to make the case. He could just say, you've gone against custom, now you will die. Just for breaking the protocols of the day. Esther risks her life to plead for her people. Indeed, if you know the story, maybe you've noticed this, before she even speaks, the king says, Whatever you ask Hello. Whatever you ask for, you will have up to what? Up to half the kingdom. God is intentional about when and where people are placed, so they can do what He has created them to do. God can place people considered by culture as ordinary or even less than into extraordinary situations to be people of influence at just the right time. God can place you and me in places at an exact moment in time to be a difference maker. Is it possible? That you have been placed in 2022 in oregon for such a time as this esther is one of many historical examples of people proceeding in faith with no guarantee of the outcome just trusting god along the way abraham and isaac david and goliath shadrach meshach and abednego in the fiery furnace daniel in the lion's den all 12 of jesus disciples the apostle paul Remember, the Apostle Paul, he had a very influential position in the Jewish hierarchy where he was empowered. He was given the authority to terrorize Christians. And Paul turns his back on that life of authority and influence to become a Christian. Maybe he even thought, I'm willing to trade it all in. What ended up, what happened to him is he ends up having far greater influence than he ever would have had if he had never walked away from being a Jewish religious elite. It's that Paul who writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. "'For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast.'" Restored relationship with your heavenly Father, forgiveness of sin, the promise of eternity in heaven. It's not a result of your good works. You're not saved by what you do, by your good moral behavior. Or You are saved. We are saved by faith. I want you to follow the theme of works in these three verses. So Paul has said to the church in Ephesus then and now to us now, Salvation, it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of your works. Now look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Your relationship with your heavenly father... The forgiveness of sin, it is not determined by your works, by our works. Actually, actually, we are God's workmanship. He created you for what purpose? For good works he has prepared for you. God is intentional about when and where people are placed so they can do what he has created them to do. We said that our resistance to this concept is linked to responsibility which some of us would say we honestly would rather not have. God created us for this time. God placed you here. Sometimes we think that we, to be obedient to God, we have to move to another place. Esther didn't move to another place. She was born and raised in Susa. And Susa was the exact city where she was used to be an influence for the kingdom. God created us for good works in this time, in this place. If you think back to Esther in the palace, it is not by chance or random that she rises to influence at this moment. Bringing freedom for her people was more important than being queen. Choosing not to act would have resulted in great personal loss and Esther would have missed out on being used by God in an amazing way. Talk about God's plans will prevail. Jesus said the good news about God's kingdom will go out to all nations. It will be heard in every nation. Jesus also said he's going to return. The Son of Man is coming on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. God's purposes will be fulfilled. Those things are going to happen. Regardless of what you and I choose to do or not to do, Jesus said the good news about God's kingdom is going to go out to all the nations. It will be heard in every nation. God will make sure that that happens. Jesus is going to return. The Son of Man is coming back. God is inviting us to be part of preparing the way. But he's coming back whether or not you and I choose to act. It's it's an invitation. If we choose not to act, who misses out? We miss out. We miss out. God is inviting us to be part of his, his purposes, his good purposes. We do not want to miss out on what God has for us, the good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have a limited time to engage in the work God has prepared for us time is limited we are not saved by our good works we walk in good works because we have been saved what does it mean to walk in good works maybe maybe you've heard the phrase of people talking about their christian walk what does that mean well this teaching would have been very um would have made a lot of sense to the original audience this phrasing to walk in means a lifestyle A way of life that reflects the relationship that we have in Christ. So we think of what we, if we were to name like, okay, what are good works? What are some examples of good works? We might think of being part of worship services, Bible studies, personal prayer time, devotions, serving, generosity, doing outreaches locally, going to people who are pushed to the sidelines, foreign missions trips, all good things. But to walk in means that good works are the result of living a lifestyle that God wants us to live, not some of the time, but all the time. The opposite of all this would be living a life that is consumed by the current culture and then doing some occasional religious activities. The opposite of what God wants from us is to live a life that is dominated by secular thinking and doing And then just occasionally do some things that sound churchy. Paul says, walk in this. Walk in this. The days of God's influence are not in the past. God wants to influence the world today, and he wants to use you and me. We are here for a time such as now. Back to the question we started with today. If you could live in any other era of history other than the era that you live in right now, when we started the whole conversation today, I read to you some answers that were written by middle school and high school students. But on this topic, if you were to do some searching, you'd find that there are articles and essays and blog posts that are written, about adult, written by adults answering this question or version of this question. And what's so interesting is that when you ask older people this question many of the answers that you will find is that older people, in answering the question, they would, would, not give the answer of wanting to go back to some other season in history, some other era in history, like I really would love to live in New York City in the 1950s because it looks like really cool in the movies. Older people in answering this question often give answers about desiring to go back to a previous era in their own history, a previous season in their own life, because they're living with some outcome now that they can trace back and say, I wish I would have done things differently when I was a teenager. I wish I would have gone... I I, I would go back and I would do some things differently in my 20s or even my 30s. That's the era that I would go back to, they write. Let me remind you, the enemy wants you to live held back by the pain and the regret of the past. But church, we want you to know that your past has not disqualified you. You are redeemed. You are a child of God. You are redeemed by God. You are made whole by the blood of Christ. And your Heavenly Father wants to use you for a time such as now. All right, we're almost done. Almost lunchtime, I know. So here's where it all comes together. How do we walk in good works? A lifestyle this is when our skill ability our skills abilities influence resources and passions come in alignment with God's purposes the greatest sense of purpose we can ever know is when our spiritual gifts intersect with God's purposes first Peter chapter 4 God has given each of you a gift That's us. God has given, every person in this room, He's given you a gift. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift. From what? From His great variety of gifts. Period. Then Peter says, use them. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Period. Use them. And then Peter says, well. Use them well. From the New Testament, We see spiritual gifts named like gifts of administration, leadership, discernment, which is to recognize what is from God and what is not. Gifts like teaching, encouragement, giving, healing. And the gift of healing means having a compassionate heart towards the sick and a confidence in God's healing power. Gifts like prophecy, interpretation, knowledge, serving, wisdom. God has given you gifts. From his great variety of spiritual gifts skills abilities influence resources and passions from your heavenly father so we have these from god and then jesus gave us his mission the son of man came to what seek and save. so we find our greatest purpose When our spiritual gifts intersect with the mission as outlined by Jesus Christ. We walk in good works when we use our spiritual gifts in alignment with God's purposes. Jennifer and I, we love People's Church. We are so thankful that we had an invitation to come here. In praying with our kids, we thank God, that we get to be part of people's church we thank God for you for this church family we want to see people's church grow thank you but don't miss this we don't want to ever get caught up in trying to grow this church that we forget about the greater mission which is to grow God's church, to grow the kingdom. If we set our sights on the mission of growing the big C church, of growing the kingdom, this church will grow. We are first and foremost about growing the kingdom of God. And we trust that as we do, growth here will happen. We are not in competition with other Bible teaching, Christ-centered churches in this city. God forgive us if we ever start to think that we're in a competition with other churches in Salem or Kaiser or the surrounding area. Last time I checked, any statistics about Salem or any other place in the world, there are plenty of people for us all to reach. How about this, what if we even prayed for the other churches in our city? The enemy would delight, does delight, if we get into finger pointing and all this and with other churches. Come on now. We believe for the other churches in our city. What would happen if we together set our sights on reaching the lost of our world, specifically Salem? The challenge for us today, let's use our spiritual gifts aiming for the intersection of where our gifts meet Jesus' mission. Let's commit that we're not going to cling to the comforts and pleasures of our personal kingdom in a way that will cause us to miss out on our assignment in God's kingdom. No one is saying that we can't have fun, we can't enjoy life. We like doing great things, having fun, but may we never be so consumed by trying to build our personal kingdom that we miss out on our assignment from God. In church, let's move with a sense of urgency. We personally do not have unlimited time. And there is not unlimited time in the world Jesus is going to return. God's purposes will be accomplished. Let's not miss out on his invitation to be used for the advancement of the kingdom. Let's work while there's still daylight. Because the time is is coming when the, the sun will set on the church age. Let's be inviters. God has given you a a circle of influence in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your schools. God has placed you there for a time such as now. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today. challenged by the story of Esther in this conversation that was recorded over 2,500 years ago where Mordecai, speaking to his relative Esther, says, don't be distracted by the trappings of the palace. Be challenged to press into conflict instead of believing that the comforts are going to insulate you. Father, we look around this room and every spiritual gift is represented. You've given each person in this room skills, talents, passions, abilities, resources, influence, personalities. No two are alike. Help each of us to strive after that intersection of where our spiritual gifts meet the mission of Jesus. Father, help us to move in a sense of urgency. May each of us be committed to going after the growth of the Big Seed Church so the kingdom will expand and so people whose life trajectory is headed for death, would experience a change in that trajectory, and would instead be destined for a life in heaven, in eternity. If you've never made the decision to to declare Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do not waste another minute. Make the decision today Right now, I encourage you have a conversation with your heavenly Father. Say, God, I realize my sin separates me from you. Tell God, you know that there's no way you can do enough good deeds. There's no amount of moral behavior that can restore that relationship. Father, say, Father, today I receive your Son, Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, as the leader of my life. And then you can say, thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you for redeeming. Thank you for restoring. And ask God, say, Father, help me to live more like your son each and every day, to walk in the good works that you have prepared for me. Thank you for challenging each of us today, Father to be difference makers, that we would be on mission here in Salem, and that we would also be part of the global movement to expand the message of hope to reach the nations in anticipation of the return of Christ. Thank you, Lord.
0: We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, Relevant, engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.